You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. Uh, we discussed podcasting yesterday. There was news over the weekend with Kyle Korver signing, among other things. Uh, but you know what? We, we, we have lives, kind of, right? Uh, and so we, we had some other things going on. So I'm, I'm, uh, I, I was, would have been excited to talk yesterday. We're busy. We're talking tonight. I feel like that's the way these things go. But, uh, in the grand scheme of July weekends, and that was reasonably action packed as far as the Milwaukee Bucks go. Uh, absolutely. Uh, there's, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Like that was, that was actually kind of eventful and, um, I guess uh, let's let's start there right away with Kyle Korver. And I guess for me, I think there's a couple different layers to it. Like we can talk about Kyle Korver, the actual basketball player, and, and that's all well and good. But I think just like the idea of Kyle Korver is also important because like you, you look at obviously where we are in free agency, the teams that he could have signed with, and like the Lakers weren't even mentioned, but – like it uh, supposedly from Woja came down to the Bucks and the Sixers, but like just the fact that you know, like a Lakers team that is devoid of shooting, that has LeBron James on it, a guy that already played with Kyle Korver, like he chose not to go there. That's a team that could win an NBA championship. You talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, that's a team that I don't even think it's arguable has more opportunity for any wing player, uh, especially someone that can shoot the basketball. Then, then I mean I don't I don't want to say just about anyone, but that Sixers lineup is a little bit top heavy, and certainly it has more opportunity for a shooter than the Milwaukee Bucks do, and the Milwaukee Bucks still end up coming out on top on this, and like they, like we've we've talked about ring chasers and where they go, and you know the fact that the Bucks got one in Pau Gasol last year, and again. Pagasol didn't work out. He got hurt, and maybe there wasn't all that much opportunity for him in the first place. But still, like he decided to choose Milwaukee. Uh, this summer again, we see another ring chaser, uh, a veteran in his seventeenth season, thirty-eight years old. Like he decided that he wanted to chase a ring in Milwaukee and do so where, uh, while also knowing that maybe there isn't a ton of opportunity and maybe that's attractive <laughs> the fact that he's not going to play every night he's not going to put in 20 25 minutes a night maybe that's attractive to him but like that's that's noteworthy in itself is it not i think so i mean i think again it it i think we're um after last season i think it, it's a little bit more of the new normal that the bucks are an attractive destination and uh, players want to be here um 
And I think certainly with Corver, the past history with Mike Budenholzer, obviously, you know, I, I would have to think was the deciding factor here, given uh, the other considerations you mentioned as far as what, what Philly and, and LA could offer. LA also offering, you know, it being LA, which generally, generally is pretty appealing to, to basketball players, um, you know, signing up for uh, when you're, you know, a 38 year old basketball player signing up to, uh, you know, another Midwestern winter isn't necessarily high atop most guys mm-hmm. list. Um, you know, Kyle Korver could have done the, uh, the Danny Glover thing and said, I'm, you know, I'm too old for this shit and said, I'll, I'll take a, <laughs> you know, a nice winter in LA with his family. Um, we'll see how his, his wife and, uh, and the, his family feels about uh, a Milwaukee winner. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think certainly, you know, you look back on Korver's history, uh, you know, he becomes an all-star at the age of 33 for the first time under, of course, Mike Budenholzer. Hard to believe that was, you know, five years ago at this point. Um, I mean, it makes me feel good that there's actually a player in the Bucks who's as old as me. So, you know, yay for me not feeling quite so old and, and washed. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely uh, says something about Milwaukee and the perception of the Bucks, uh, not just Kyle Korver coming here, but uh, certainly Wes Matthews, you know, taking a, a minimum level deal to, to come to Milwaukee. And again, opportunity, he probably looked at it as a, as a very good opportunity to actually play maybe more than he could have elsewhere. Um, so Korver, definitely a bit of a different story maybe. Um, but uh, certainly, certainly, yeah, it's, it's a different day in Milwaukee with players now looking at, the, the Bucks is a place where, you know, they can, uh, you know, it's not just about getting paid anymore. Now it's about, hey, I'll, I'll play for, for less, uh, but hopefully I'm going to be on a team that, you know, obviously is going to play the right way and we're going to be with great coaching and we're going to have a chance to compete at the highest level. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, nice to say that that's the new normal. And certainly a guy like Corver um, was videotaped actually last weekend. Um, I, I tweeted out about some some there were some videos of him uh, working out in uh, I think it was in Santa Barbara I want to say um, somewhere in, in California uh, with Giannis actually which was kind of, kind of funny because there had been some sort of stray reports out of kind of some like some fringe Philly media personalities that like probably like a week ago had had you know quote unquote Twitter reported some things about Corver being close to to going to Philly and so there was sort of like this. There were a couple of times where it seemed like people were had just sort of resigned themselves to to Corver ending up with the Sixers, but you know days days went by. He didn't nothing was you know, nothing went by sort of as far as being officially reported. None of the real reporters broke anything about him going there. And then we saw this video of him working out with Giannis or you know getting shots up with the same uh, trainers as Giannis. And so I was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting because. You know, Giannis famously doesn't work out with other NBA players. So um, sure enough, same day that J.R. Smith is supposedly in Milwaukee to talk about a potential contract offer, uh, Giannis is uh, perhaps doing a little bit of recruiting of his own. Obviously, the Bud relationship very strong with Cal Corver. And um, lo and behold, it was a couple of days later, basically, or a day or two later, uh, we hear the news that Cal Corver is indeed coming to Milwaukee. So um, so yeah, Giannis the recruiter, <laughs> uh, Bud the recruiter. Um, you know, again, kind of some fun, fun narratives uh, for for a late July uh, weekend, and I think probably um, more importantly, I think there's some fun, 
some fun opportunities to think about um, Kyle Korver and what his shooting ability might do for the Bucks, even if it's not in a you know a very large role. But um, you know, I think he can certainly contribute in ways that we never expected. You know, a guy like Pau Gasol to to contribute, and I think that's what's really fun about this is he is a really interesting fit, even if you know he's not necessarily going to play a lot. Yeah, it was it was funny the contrast between kind of what what was going on with Corver and what was going on with J.R. Smith. Like one party very much moving in silence, and the other one uh, loudly coming to the city of Milwaukee. And again, like that isn't to like say that J.R. Smith purposely got a picture of himself taken in Milwaukee or anything like that, but. You know, the fact that the picture does surface and then it's reported by Sham Sharanya that, you know, he does have a meeting. It's just like, okay, maybe that, as I, as I kind of mentioned to you the other day, like that very much felt like a player being like, hey, everybody, look at the best team in the league. They want me. You should want me. Like that, that's kind of what it felt like. And obviously on the opposite end of things was Corver just kind of going about his business, managing to, you know, sneak in a workout with Giannis and and kind of go through all of that. And I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of funny how those two things happen in that way. And, you know, with Corver, I wrote about it uh, a little bit today at The Athletic, but Corver is undoubtedly the best shooter Giannis has ever played with. Again, that is, to me, that's just a flat-out fact. Would you disagree with that? I mean, he's one of the, I don't know, top – 10 pure shooters in NBA history. So odds are, yeah, like most, most, most guys that Kyle Korver plays with, uh, Kyle Korver is going to be the best shooter that that guy's ever, <laughs> that guy's ever played with. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's, I, I can't think of anybody else who's, who would really be in that discussion as far as Brewers or Brewers, as far as Bucks over the last five years or so. So I, I guess just with that, like that in and of itself, like, I think means something. And, you know, like one of the videos that I showed today was a shot with the, with the jazz where like Corver doesn't even get the shot. He legitimately stands in the right-hand corner and it was against the Lakers. And like Alex Caruso is essentially face guarding him and the jazz runs some action in the middle of the floor. And Caruso has his back turned for part of the possession. And he's just like standing there watching Corver. And it's like, that's what real gravity looks like. And the Bucks this year, obviously, we talked about let it fly and how many threes have they shot. And, and those things are all well and good. And, you know, if I talk about a guy like Tony Snell, I would say that's a very good shooter. I would talk about Chris Middleton. I'd say that's a very good shooter. Brooke Lopez, that's a very good shooter. Malcolm Brogdon, that's a very good shooter. But all of them are very good shooters in different ways where – so Chris Middleton, great on those ISO looks that he would get, a bunch of dribbles. He'd be able to pull out a big, hit one of those, and, you know, became, I mean, he became one of the best isolation players in the league per points per 100 possessions. So, like, our points per possession, excuse me. So that's Middleton. Brogdon, great knockdown catch-and-shoot shooter, but doesn't really have a ton of volume. Only shoots about four threes per game, and – I think in many ways takes ones that he knows he's going to be able to get off and the shots where, you know, you can close them out and drive them off the line, like a little bit different in that way that 
you know, it's not a super quick trigger. He's not looking for super high volume. Like he's just going to shoot the ones that he can get off the ones that he feels comfortable with. And he obviously hit him as, as everyone else, 50, 40, 90, like he, he was up over 41, 42%. Um, so like, that's, uh, that's one way to be a special shooter. Then, you know, you keep going through and it's like, okay, Brooke Lopez, great shooter, but he's great in the way that he goes up to 32 feet. He, uh, just is able to chuck him up from super deep. He's willing to shoot him from anywhere. He's super willing for his position to shoot and has very high volume there. But even a guy like Brooke Lopez shot about eight threes per 36 minutes. Kyle Korver shoots nine and a half threes per 36 minutes. Like, or, or I think actually close to 10, I think 9.8 threes per 36 minutes. Like, so all of those like good things, like, you know, like the great catch and shoot numbers, uh, Corver had a little bit of a down year last year, so he wasn't quite where Brogdon was, but he's very good as a catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, off of one dribble, he's one of the best in the league. So it's not quite the iso ball that Chris Middleton's going to play, but he can do it off the dribble as well. He can catch-and-shoot. Uh, all those guys, you talk about a little bit slower releases. That is not Kyle Corver. He gets it off incredibly quickly. He's able to do it on the run. Like All of these things add up to someone that, you absolutely have to pay attention to at all times. I, like, it's not just that Corver is the best shooter that Giannis played uh, will have ever played with. It's that he has significant, uh, I think, significantly more gravity than just about anyone ever that he's ever played with. Like, the Raptors were definitely guarding Middleton really close in that series and making it really tough on him. But I mean, I just don't think there's been a guy that other teams have felt like they need to respect to the level that teams are going to feel like they need to respect Kyle Korver. Yeah, normally with the Bucks, I mean, gravity is, is something we talk about, like Giannis creating gravity and not not so much the shooters around him creating gravity. I mean, they, they spread the floor, um, but Korver does bring a, a, a different dimension that he is his own gravitational field and obviously for very different reason than, than Giannis is. Um, but yeah, I think it does give the Bucks the ability. It, it incentivizes the Bucks to do some different things um, in their offense, which I'm really going to be curious to see what they do. We talked about it maybe a little bit when Matthews was signed, um, but Matthews and, and Corver to an even greater extent. I mean, they are guys that, um, you know, are not just parked out on the wing waiting for that kick out pass so they can shoot, you know, that really well-balanced catch and shoot three. I mean, obviously they can do that, but, um, but they are guys that, that are used to, you know, putting, being in motion, coming off screens, catching, shooting. Um, as you mentioned, Corver is really dynamic, just you know, using an extra dribble to get like extra little foot of, of airspace needed to get a three. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see just what that means for the Bucks in terms of play calling offense. I mean, obviously Mike Budenholzer is, is, uh, has some familiarity with running an offense with Kyle Corver um, from their days in Atlanta. So it's not like brand new territory, even if uh, maybe we didn't see the Bucks utilize anybody last year like you'd expect necessarily to uh to utilize Corver this year um but uh it should be really fun to watch and you know again just whatever ways you want to slice it um I mean he's just an incredible shooter uh, corners I think he's 48 percent career from the corners um and just just a devastating guy I mean I think you know uh, I, I, there are probably multiple games where this happened but I in my head, I just want to say I recall one game in Atlanta, um, 
probably in the middle of this this decade where I feel like he came up and just like hit like three threes in a row that were like progressively more difficult and more backbreaking. Um, he's just one of those guys who just, you know, doesn't need a lot of room and just can go on these kind of quick bursts that can be just so deflating. And um, <laughs> he's uh, he's just, it, it's fascinating, right? I mean, to think, I mean, this is a guy who's, I think six seven six eight. I think his wingspan is close to six ten. I mean, this is a very large human being. You know, we don't think of Corver as a big guy because he's I mean, he's a shooter, right? He's not like a you know defensive stalwart or something like that. He's not an athlete. You know, we don't think of him as like a wingspan guy, or whatever, a physical tools guy. But you know, this is a very large human being <laughs> in the grand scheme of the universe, and for him to be able to um, move and shoot and to have improved as he has aged the way he has is is really a remarkable testament to um not just sort of the the discipline and uh approach he's had to you know improving and keeping in shape but um just like the natural just incredible talent that he's not only he has but he's also has continued to develop so um you know again he's 38 years old so at some point here you get to the point where you just can't you know you can't compete at a high enough level uh you know to to really be a consistent NBA player. Now that could be now, right. For Kyle Korver. Um, I think certainly offensively, I'm not worried about it. I mean, he's going to, he's going to shoot till he's 45 at an NBA level. Probably. Um, the question is just, you know, defensively, um, does he become a little too exposed at some point? And I think that's the question in the playoffs, obviously, you know, is he a 16 game player? I'd say at this point, you know, you wouldn't want to bet on that. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, the thing that was remarkable and the reason I was really interested in him last year before he went to Utah, which was kind of early in the sort of NBA trade season um, from Cleveland, you look back on his 17, 18 season in Cleveland. I mean, he's 36 year old, 36 years old at that point. Um, but he had a pretty remarkable season in Cleveland. Again, the raw numbers were, were nothing crazy. It's not like he put scored a ton of points or anything like that. Um, but, you know, you look at you know what he did just as far as, you know, just as usual, um, usual kind of Kyle Korver shooting numbers, 44% from three on almost nine attempts per game. And then, you know, you kind of dig into the way the, the, the Cavaliers played with him on the court and off. And again, this was, that was a team that kind of went through some, you know, really wild swings during the season. Right. Um, you know, they had the, the Dwayne Wade period. Um, you know, this was after obviously the Kyrie trade, uh, and really a lot of their best basketball was played with, with Kyle Korver being heavily involved. And, uh, you know, you look at the numbers with them in that season, he was a plus 7.4. I mean, he's typically been a plus player, you know, throughout his career. Uh, the one exception is really the 16, 17 season, but 17, 18 plus 7.4 Cavs were 11 points per 100 better with him on the court than off. In RPM terms, okay, real plus minus, which again, you know, it does all the the math, holds, you know, constant for lineups and kind of tries to control for lots of variables that tend to impact plus minus stats. I just told you the raw ones. He was third among all shooting guards in the NBA in, in real plus minus in the 17-18 season, plus 2.7. Uh, he was only behind Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler. I mean, that's that's incredible. <laughs> like, and even last year, I think he was 38th out of 108 players. He was a slight negative, but again, for a bench player, 
to even rate that highly again is is better than average. So um, he is a guy that that even though obviously defensively you can't put him on an island against anybody at this point, but he's a really smart player offensively. Obviously, the gravity has a very positive effect on everybody on the court, and he's still able to obviously shoot at a really high level. So uh, again, I think it's just going to be fun to see him. Um, you know, hopefully have some opportunities to play off the bench with Giannis lineups in particular. And, uh, you know, between Corver and Wes Matthews, you know, those are two really high volume and really accomplished three point shooters that I think are going to be really enjoyable, you know, knock on wood, assuming they can stay healthy, uh, to see them get a chance to play with, with a guy like Giannis. And you know that Giannis is going to be doing everything he can to make sure those guys are in the spots where you can find them and, and to get those guys open looks. And, um, you know, we saw the Bucks let it fly last year, even without a lot of guys who actually were good three-point shooters. You know, I mean, Brogdon was really good. They were 15th accuracy. in the league in three-point accuracy. Yeah, you know, they, they took the second most. But, um, you know, they're, they're generally speaking, you know, they're good three-point shooters, didn't take many. Chris Middleton, Bledsoe really had bizarre years in terms of being much better shooting off the dribble than catch and shoot. Um, you know, catch and shoot was really not what they were great at last year, even though they kind of built their offense around the idea of Giannis kicking out to guys. Um, so, you know, putting two, you know, historically, um, I mean, Corver certainly historically great three-point shooter. Matthews, um, a really accomplished high-volume three-point shooter as well. Uh, putting those guys out there, again, they're a bit older, um, but uh, it's, it's definitely kind of, it's a fun thing to think about, especially at this time of summer, just given what those guys have shown. And, and again, also just, I think what those guys bring sort of veterans, they're smart. Um, you know, they have limitations physically at this point, but I think, uh, you know, regular season, I'm not worried about those guys at all. I'm, I think they're going to be really good contributors when they get the opportunity to play. Um, and even in the playoffs, I think there's going to be certainly series where, you know, uh, even Corver, I think you're going to be able to play him and get minutes out of him um, just because of what he can do offensively. And again, defensively, if teams have to try to, you know, really focus on exploiting Kyle Corver, you know, so be it, right? Then you've got a lot of other guys. And certainly this the way this Bucks team, the roster is shaping up, um, you know, depth does not look like it's going to be a problem. You've got a lot of guys on that wing at this point um, that when healthy, you know, I think you feel pretty good about giving you minutes and you know, we've already talked a lot about how the, the big man rotation is pretty crowded as well. So other than the point guard spot, which, you know, we can talk a little bit about here at the end too. Um, again, Bucks roster, there's there's going to be a lot of competition for places. And obviously when you talk about competing for a championship, you you obviously love to have, you know, this number of, of veterans and combination of young guys who are hungry and I would think pretty talented and, uh, and having veterans who've really proven it and being able to see those guys compete, I think should be fun. I think one thing I found myself thinking about, you know, first when, when the Bucks signed was it Matthews and then uh, again when they signed Corver was just like, okay, in that Toronto series, like maybe, maybe it's not 10 minutes or, you know, even much more than five minutes. But like if in one of those games where the offense just can't break loose, you throw in Kyle Corver in – Wesley Matthews and like George Hill with Giannis and all of a sudden you, you have this spot where, okay, 
You're going to send the double team at him with Marcus All. Fine. Like he's going to kick it around. We're going to get a good shot for we're we're going to get a, not just a good shot. We're going to get a three for Hill, Matthews, or Corver. And all of a sudden, it's like okay, like maybe there was a five minute stretch where you just like break the game open, right? Like maybe there's just a five minute stretch where Corver goes off on one of those sequences that you mentioned, where it's just like three threes in a row of, you know, a higher and higher degree of difficulty. And all of a sudden those games don't get away from you or you're, you're able to build up a a little bit bigger lead. Like those are, we talked about this around the trade deadline, right? Like we talked about who could the Bucks trade for that can kind of change a playoff game. And to me, like that's, that's what Corver can be. And again, like there are the concerns about the defense, and I, I'm not trying to to gloss over those uh, at all. But I do think with this Bucks team and the way that they play defense, there's a lot of things that I think Corver can do with his length, and uh, I mean, it's still like general quickness. He's not like overly quick, but he's he's quick enough with wingspan that he can force guys into the spots that you want them to be, and that's really what the Bucks defense is about. Like, okay, force him towards Giannis, force him towards. Brooke Lopez, uh, run him off the line or force him to take it above the break three. Like he, I, I mean, I, I think Corver's smart enough to be able to do those things. And then if offensively you could have got those three minutes, those five minutes, whatever, where he just hits a couple threes, like those are the things that can swing a playoff game. And, and it can be that small. Like we, we saw obviously Fred Van Vliet shoot 80% from three uh, in the final three games of that series. And it's like, okay. You know, maybe Corver could have done that. And maybe he didn't take as many threes as Fred Van Vliet or anything like that. But those sequences can change a playoff series. And the Bucks, when things got tight, like had to find a way to, you know, have Malcolm Brogdon drive a little bit. Or, you know, Eric Bledsoe was going to force something up. Or hoping that George Hill kind of had it that night. Like Corver can, can kind of change those things uh, with just a, a real quick shooting barrage. So I think that makes them you know, incredibly interesting at that position. And, um, you know, I, I think the other thing is I mentioned when Malcolm Brogdon left originally that, you know, the Bucks weren't going to be able to likely find someone that could shoot as well as he could and then also drive. Uh, he was the third most frequent driver on the team behind Bledsoe and Giannis. And, you know, it's it appears pretty clear with their signs at shooting guard that, uh they're not going to go looking for that driving. What they're going to do instead is bomb away from three. Like Wesley Matthews, we've talked about his threes for 36. Obviously Kyle Korver close to 10 threes for 36. Like instead of trying to find a driver, like they're going to find guys that, you know, hopefully have a lot of gravity and hopefully have quick triggers from three. And, you know, that's how they're going to try to fill things at the shooting guard spot. And is that as good as Malcolm Brogdon? Probably not, but does it, you know, represent some sort of, I think, relatively cohesive strategy. Yeah, I think it does. And I think it'll be really interesting to kind of watch how how all of that plays out and, you know, if it's able to work or, uh, you know, what the Bucks are able to do there. So I think interesting stuff there with Corver and with shooting guard. Anything else you want to say there before we move on to Frank Mason the third? No, I mean, you just look at the Bucks roster at this point. I mean, there's 13 guys that I would want to play every night, you know? I mean... Thanasis is really the only guy that you'd look at and say is, is not a proven 
NBA rotation player, um, but the Bucks at 14 roster spots. And, um, you know, we talked about the five guys between Giannis, DJ, Ersan at the four, the, the Lopez brothers at the five spots, um, five spot. And now on the wing, you know, Bledsoe and Hill, you say, okay, those guys will carve up all the point guard minutes. Um, and then other than that, you know, you look at those two spots. I mean, you say, okay, Wes Matthews maybe starts at the two. Chris obviously getting the the most of the minutes at the three, but after that, Sterling Brown, big year for Sterling Brown. You know, he was obviously a guy that played a lot last season. Pat Connaughton, huge contributor in the last month of the season, and then into going into the playoffs. Um, you know, Cal Corver getting thrown in the mix. I don't think Cal Corver is coming here to not play at all. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, you know, you're crossing your fingers that he's going to be healthy. Um, but certainly he's a guy that I thought we think we had high hopes of him being able to break through and, and really become a part of this rotation. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, like when this roster is healthy, good players are going to be DNPing. And, um, again, I think, you know, that can be a problem on probably teams that aren't, um, let's say managed, coached, uh, and, and don't have that kind of you know, we're, we want to be playing in a June type mindset, but obviously we saw Bud handle it well last year. You know, I think during the regular season, probably played longer rotations and, you know, maybe we would have preferred from like an optimization standpoint, but um, obviously as far as keeping a big roster, a deep roster engaged, I think probably going to have to take a similar approach this year because you've just got too many guys to be able to play, you know, a, a nine man rotation every night. It does probably doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, as far as saving guys for the playoffs, um, you know, you got a, a lot of guys who, uh, you know, again, unless unless guys some some players really drop off, uh, you got a lot of guys that you're going to want to see playing every night. And I, and I do think it, I'm curious what the the two vets in Corver and, and Wesley Matthews Jr. are kind of after. It's just like they both signed up for you know to get to play with the Bucks, and after watching Bud kind of work uh, work a rotation for a year, like okay, there was you know a month where Sterling Brown wasn't really involved. There was a month where Pat Connaughton wasn't. Really and you know we kind of mix and match and all those guys get their shot and all of them get their couple of months and you know you just wonder if both of those guys are thinking like okay if I play for the Bucks do I want to play every night of course but you know if I get some Knicks like they got enough guys that they can get through it that you know Wesley Matthews can step up for a little bit while I'm out or Kyle Corver can step up, or Sterling Brown can step up, or Donna DiVincenzo can step up. I, I do wonder if those guys kind of thought about that going in, that, okay, th- I want to play 82, but it's not a requirement of me to play 82. Like, this isn't a team that's going to be like, oh, you got to tough it out injured. Like, they'll just move on to the other person, and uh, I'll be able to do that. So, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how, how Bud does that. And like you said, Bud is very clearly unafraid of, you know, shuffling guys in and out and relying on guys in situations maybe they haven't been before. Like he's, he's just kind of open to that, that larger rotation. And I think it'd be really interesting to kind of watch and, and, and see how that goes. Um, all right, let's talk about Frank Mason. The third, uh, he signs a two way with the Milwaukee bucks. You mentioned the fact that the bucks don't have a ton of point guard depth. Um, I think as, as the 15th man on the roster, I don't know how intrigued I would have been by this move as a two-way contract. I think I'm maybe a little bit more intrigued, and maybe that's 
the wrong way to view it or, um, you know, messed up in some way. But I think that's kind of how I feel about it. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of um, fits into the sort of Tim Frazier. Now, Frazier's guy. Frazier's guy came in, obviously, um, competed for a job in camp, gets waived, latches on with the Pelicans, played a fair bit in New Orleans, eventually gets waived and then ultimately lands back in Milwaukee after Brogdon goes down with his injury. So Frazier kind of comes in as kind of a late season, you know, breaking case of emergency type guy. And um, Mason, we'll kind of see because, as you mentioned, the Bucks have 14 guys in their roster right now. Um, they don't have any non-guaranteed deals that would be obvious to, you know, waive if, you know, let's just say some, you know, quality uh, buyout candidate comes along, uh, you know, next next spring. Um, so Mason is interesting because, you know, as you said, I mean, last year, you know, the Bucks after the George Hill trade got very, in, you know, very much into a rhythm of playing Brogdon and Bledsoe as your starters, you know, a combo guard with Bledsoe, uh, you know, as starters. And then you could cycle in Hill and kind of have that like three man kind of combo guardish type type rotation. So I think you already mentioned essentially what they have done is is swapped, you know, having a combo guard like Malcolm for kind of more straight up wing shooting, you know, now that you've added guys like Matthews and, and Corver. So I think, you know, from a, um, you know, just style of play perspective, I think that's a change, right? I mean, they, they're not going to start playing Frank Mason as a third guard just because he can dribble a little bit, right? We don't expect that. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if Mason was with the Bucks a lot, you know, depending on what they do here with that, you know, last roster spot. wouldn't surprise me necessarily if they just don't sign kind of a, you know, guaranteed NBA contract guy this summer and, you know, sign some, some non-guaranteed guys, some camp bodies going into camp. Maybe they bring in some veterans to kind of compete for that last spot, but maybe they just don't fill it. And, you know, maybe they just decide and Mason, um, you know, depending on what he does in, in camp, uh, if he plays well enough, I mean, who knows, maybe they just let Mason kind of spend a lot of time with, with the Bucks rather than kind of bouncing back between the herd and the Bucks. And, you know, maybe they just make a decision then, um, you know, if they want to sign somebody with that last roster spot, uh, you know, if you use up the 40 days with Frank Mason or Cam Reynolds, who's the other uh, two-way guy. I don't know if we've talked about him really, but um, but if you, you know, want to bring up one of those two-way guys, if you use up all his NBA service days, you can convert him to a, 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 an NBA contract, but you need a roster spot to do that. So I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, you know, Mason's a guy who, uh, actually played almost a thousand minutes as a rookie for the Kings after being a second round pick, um, you know, scored at a decent volume, play made a little bit, um, shit 36% of his threes as a rookie, uh, but couldn't hit two point shots to save his life. And then last year uh, kind of reversed a little bit. He actually made two point shots, but um, couldn't hit threes to save his life and played fewer minutes, only 400 some minutes. So um, again, he was a great college player, but undersized, not super athletic, um, but obviously has some skill and some savvy, you know, is there a world where he can be a, you know, Tim Frazier-esque, uh, vaguely competent, breaking case of emergency type point card? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, but again, is that going to translate into sort of a meaningful role in Milwaukee this coming season? Probably not. Um, and so I think though, the interesting question to me is, as I said, like, does this signing, you know, is this just like a kind of flyer? They just thought he was an interesting player or, you know, did they make this move, uh, on the premise that he's actually a guy that they would consider, you know, kind of the, the third point guard 
that's av- that's available to them now. Now they don't need to go sign, you know, a Trey Burke or somebody like that. Um, so I think that's probably the most interesting thing about this. Again, I have, you know, little expectation that he's going to be uh, a guy that really contributes this year. But again, I mean, if I mean, George Hills had plenty of random injuries, uh, you know, these last few years, he again kind of suffers some random muscle injury and is out for a couple weeks. I mean, again, if absent another move, sure, you can have Giannis bring the ball up a lot. You can do different things. Um, you can have Chris Middleton make, you know, do more playmaking. I think we'll probably see, you know, those guys pick up the slack maybe a little bit more with Malcolm not being, uh, you know, essentially swapping some shooters in for, for a combo like Malcolm in the regular rotation. But, um, you know, again, if I think if, if either of your guards gets hurt, um, you know, again, absent another move, I mean, Frank Mason will be active and, he might actually play a bit. I mean, we saw Mike Budenholzer was was not bashful about giving uh, giving Tim Frazier burn last year, and uh, of course, famously, Frazier played as many. I, I I thought this was a funny stat. So Giannis played forty plus minutes twice during the regular season last year. Frazier had a forty eight minute game and a fifty three minute game. Dressed <laughs> it all out there, and. Bonzi Colson, uh, dearly departed Bonzi Colson, who uh, <laughs> is now uh, no longer a Buck with both of the Bucks two-way spots now filled. Bonzi Colson also played 40-plus minutes twice last year. Um, so one of the weird quirks of, uh, you know, sort of the new load-managing style that, that Buck brought to Milwaukee. Yeah, that is kind of a wild thing to think about, that that actually occurred, because it certainly doesn't seem possible, but sure enough, that's that's how it goes. So, um, yeah, we'll have to... We'll have to kind of keep an eye on the point guard depth and, and kind of how all that goes. But I, I think Frank Mason is, you know, I mean, it, it does feel like nice depth. Uh, not that like this is a guy that's going to step in and start for you and you're going to be super pleased about it. But I, I don't know if that's what you expect with the two way or, or what you expect with uh, the final roster spots. So um, I don't know if there's all too much to, to complain about there or, uh, you know, be really upset with. Like, I, I think it's it's a nice little bit of depth uh, on the very back end of the roster. Uh, you mentioned Cam Reynolds as well. Mm-hmm. He's kind of intriguing to me. Uh, 6'8 is legit NBA wing size. Uh, he appears to have that. He shot 40% from three. 6'8 uh, lefty. Like, those are all intriguing things. Uh, anything else you have other than to tell people that we're going to do a mailbag? Uh, starting tomorrow, and that they should send us questions. No, I, uh, I we'll we'll need to we'll need to maybe do some homework because I was trying to do my um my like carving up the the rotations by position exercise. Took like an initial shot at this today, and uh, it's it's difficult. Um, it like I said, um, when healthy right now, I mean the Bucks are going to. Uh, need to basically sit guys who are NBA worthy players on, uh, on any given night. So, um, you know, again, I think, uh, Corver really nice get for the bucks at this part of the summer. And I think the other piece too is, I mean, you, you mentioned why Philly, uh, why LA might've been attractive targets. I think especially for Philly, given their, you know, your, your obvious kind of your number one competition, in the East, at least on paper, you know, just kind of a, a double win, right? Not only do you get to add Corver, but you make sure that that Philly doesn't add Corver. And um, you know, again, I think on that team, he would have been 
potentially even more interesting than uh, than you know he might otherwise be just because of uh, of the lack of shooting that they have on that team right now. So um, so yeah, I, I think certainly for for multiple reasons a a nice signing for the Bucks and uh, obviously. Not sure if there's going to be another signing here before the summer is out. At least not a you know a true roster spot signing. We heard Luke May get mentioned as getting a contract today, but you know again no expectation that Luke May is going to get the 15th roster spot. That's um, by by every uh, measure that that would be a you know kind of a camp body type thing. Um, get him into camp, uh, and then you potentially get his rights to uh, to make sure you maybe he ends up with the herd. We'll see if there's any other guys from uh, from the summer league roster that, that happens with. I think certainly, you know, Dalton Hamas, Dalton Holmes, whatever his pronunciation was, um, him and Ray John Tucker, I think would be other interesting guys to maybe see in a similar spot, like maybe bring them to camp, not intending to to sign them full time. But if they are interested in doing the G League thing this year, again, they might decide to, to try to play abroad. But if they were interested in the G League thing, um, you know, those guys could also be interesting kind of guys to to kind of take that approach with so um that though is is that's more like august basketball discussion here we we at least had at least one more legit july basketball conversation to be had which uh which was fun and um obviously uh you know not not too often that we get to be you know legitimately have some excitement about a a late july signing not not worthy of a of an emergency podcast over the weekend we made that call but um, it was nice to have a, uh, to, to see the Bucks get a, get a player that I think legitimately, um, is worthy of, uh, of being a little excited about, especially the way he fits with, with Giannis and, um, the way this, uh, the way the let it fly offense under butt is, uh, has run. All right. That's going to be it for us for today. We're going to mailbag it tomorrow. Send your questions to at locked on bucks on Twitter or to our, uh, email account locked on bucks at gmail.com. You can send them there. Frank will uh, collect all of them, Ugh. organize all of them because he loves that job and it's his favorite thing to do. So uh, make sure you guys send those in to either of those two places. Uh, those will be the only two places that we look like. Don't send them to me individually or Frank individually because we will just focus on those other two places and your email might, or your email or your tweet might get lost in the shuffle if you, if you go either of those other places. So uh, lockdownbucks at gmail.com or at lockedonbucks on Twitter. We'll send out tweets to remind you guys, and then we'll be able to record that tomorrow night. So with all that being said, for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.